0: Hello and welcome to The Naked Scarf. I'm Adam. And I'm Steve. And unfortunately Andy is ill and is unable to join us. So instead of tackling uh, the last parts of Trial of the Time Lord, because I'm not letting her get out of that at all, uh, we've instead decided, in tribute to Caroline John, who very sadly passed away about a month ago now I think, it would be by the time of this recording, Uh, we're going to be looking at Spearhead from Space. So normally at this point, this is where I'd ask Andy for a plot synopsis, but... Like John
1: Pertwee, she's spending
0: this episode laid up in bed. Um, <laughs> so, um, instead of that, I'm, I would do the, the plot synopsis entirely in Delphon. Right, that's the plot synopsis covered. So, <laughs> No, um, basically it's Rose, but with John Pertwee, Brigadier, Liz Shaw, and twice the length. Yes, and
1: with... A human villain, sort of?
0: Well, a human face for the Autons. Yes, this is true. Mr. So actually, it's really not like Rose at all, but Rose borrows a lot and a of the... Cottage uh,
1: hospital, and two, and a space bum, and yes, this tentacles, is... and...
0: Should I do a proper plot synopsis? Yes. Okay, basically, um, it starts off with weird meteors... Me- meteors? Meteorites? Meteorites landing on Earth. Um the unit find them and are like, holy shit. And they, they get in Liz Shaw, who's uh, a genius scientist. And then the Doctor lands, but he falls unconscious out of the TARDIS. And he's taken to a lovely cottage hospital, the type we don't have in this country anymore.
1: Which is apparently just around the corner from a factory in a city and Madame Tussauds. The geography of this story is slightly
0: confusing, I feel. But nonetheless, the brigadier turns up at the hospital, and it's like, "Hey, you're not Patrick Charleston, you're Wurzel Gummidge." And it's like, "Oh, Miss Sally," um, and there's some other stuff that happens. I, I'm starting to understand why Andy's so bad at this, you know. The Doctor
1: spends a couple of episodes unconscious, uh, basically, or in a wheelchair, um, um, looking for his shoes. He steals a car. He, he steals, st- he
0: steals clothes. his clothes. Yeah, steals clothes, and then um, basically, the 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 have uh, taken over a plastics factory, and they're building autons. Um and they're building Autons that look like top civil servants because that's what all the kids love. And they take they they're sending them to positions of power and then they activate the um the, 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 the troops and we get iconic Doctor Who moments of shop windows dummies uh, alien death, invasion orange smoky death and in orange in full color in full color because this is the first color Doctor Who which is very exciting apart from Peter Cushing. Apart from Peter Cushing. Um, and then the doctor, uh, the third doctor, turns up with his first official MacGuffin machine and saves everyone and, it, and then decides to stay on Earth because he can't remember how to fly the TARDIS because those Time Lord bastards have taken the knowledge from him. And also, he's promised a car,
1: and cars are cool.
0: Uh, cars are cool, especially ones you've stolen. <laughs> so He's Kleptomaniac Doctor, isn't he? A little bit. He's Winona Rider Doctor. <laughs> he's not as whiny as Winona Rider. I'm only saying that because I forced myself to watch Alien Resurrection recently, and her Ooh. entire character is like, wah, 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 wah. and it was, was like, oh, "Shut well, up!" Maybe she's seen Prometheus. Yes, quite possibly. Don't Sorry, go. We we're talking some... about Doctor Who. Yes, <laughs> but on a side note, don't go and see Prometheus. It's shit. Anyway, yes, Doctor two. Interesting thing about this story: first in colour, first John Pertwee, and it kind of shouldn't have happened in some ways because by the end of Patrick Troughton's run, ratings were low. They could been going for six years. It would have been a perfect time to have just said, right, that's been a good run, we'll stop there. But I think they just as a last roll of the dice, they thought, well, we've changed lead act to once, so we'll do it again. Which is kind of mad in a way, because changing lead act to once, it's just about you might you might just pull that off. Changing it for a third time is a uh, second time even. It's kind of insane, but I think they were just like, Well, we'll we'll see what we can do, we'll give it a chance.
1: It's, it's also slightly odd that this is the first time he, he really regenerates. I mean, they don't use the word until... kind uh, uh, of Spiders, yeah. But um, where Patrick Troughton could almost be a rejuvenation rather than a regeneration, a younger version of the Hartnell he's Doctor. Not, uh, he's, he's wearing sort yeah, of the same Yeah, and the, clo- the clothes it's, are similar, but his yeah, yeah, character he, is very different. Him, but mm. but there's, I think the royal sort of vacancy might just be a rejuvenated version, whereas... It was the first sort of regeneration where he's completely different in every respect, mm. different outfit, different height even.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. I mean, Spearhead is one of these uh, stories that I like to play this game, which is imagine if modern day fandom was around then, and you can just imagine the shit on the internet that would have happened, because, you know, the Doctor's trapped on Earth, he they've cast They've they cast a guy who's known for the Navy Like He was a funny voice guy on the radio before he did this. He wasn't known for action or anything. And I'm just, trying to just think of the modern Hate, it would hate be, on the internet board. It would be
1: like Peter Kay being cast as the Doctor or
0: something. Didn't you once say it was a bit like Michael Keaton being cast as Batman? Yes, like, very much. That kind of comedy right everyone's like, what? And then it's like, ah, oh, I see. But, you know, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it, is, an, it, it is an interesting... Ah, I, I, I can't Although can't Pertwee,
1: Pertwee is playing
0: some scenes... For laughs in this one, I mean more just, than he does later on. Definitely, yeah. I mean the shower scene, most famously. But after the shower scene, not quite so much, or not so much straight out comedy. Mm. There's a in which he's funny, but it's never quite the same. Like the 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 eyebrows, the Delphine, He says, are oh, they communicate with their eyebrows," and that's a moment of comedy, but it's not like an outright, yeah, Heidi Ha, Heidi Ha Ha Ha, Heidi Ha, Heidi um, Hi. I
1: think my my. Personal favourite scene is the sort of naughty schoolboy scene when he's been shamed because he's tried to steal the tardis and he's sitting there looking very yeah. sorry for himself, which actually almost feels kind of Trouton-esque in some ways.
0: Yeah, you no, know, there's there's definitely a, 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 a smidgen of trout in there, but that's always the case. I think when when the, when the new guy takes over, people are still slightly in the mode for writing the old, I and mean, you can see that in a lot. I'm just thinking if he doesn't really ha- it doesn't really happen so much when Davison takes over. Actually, he never feels much like. Tom Baker. No, but then even in his
1: first story, there's those very consciously crafted moments where he does impressions of Tom Baker. and Yeah, I, I guess,
0: but, but it's, I was thinking more just yeah. bits where scriptwriters have obviously written vaguely with the previous doctor's voice in their head. I mean, you can see it in, in Series 5 from Matt Smith. There's definitely tenant moments in there. So, um, given that this is a tribute to Caroline John, we should probably talk
1: about Yes, short. we
0: should. I was... Uh, Huge fan of Liz Chose
1: from, from her light jazz entrance.
0: She does have something of a like. It's like, yeah, but it's interesting because that, that is almost trying to say this is a bit more adult. Mm. I mean, cause I, this is about something about series. This period of Doctor Series Seven, it is definitely goes for a slightly grittier, more adult tone, which drops pretty quickly from Series Eight onwards. And yeah, and, and she gets kind of like that slightly more sophisticated jazz music as she appears. I mean, it's interesting because, in some ways, she's an older version of Zoe. Yeah, I was about to say that. Actually, she
1: very much feels like they could have put Zoe I into think the script because they, be sure, yeah. yeah, they weren't sure. Yeah,
0: because they weren't sure she was going to leave or not. So you can imagine her doing it with Zoe, but but show is definitely she's more mature. So she gets on with her own stuff, and mm. she's just she's an employee of UNIT, and she's not just like hanging around going, "Doctor, what's this?" Doctor, which what's which that? makes it
1: incredibly jarring when she suddenly has a Doctor Who companion moment in episode four, three, four, 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 where she.
0: Suddenly, starts shrieking. At but it's very, but, but it's, it's like very brief. But it it, yeah, it does jar very slightly. But no, I mean, I mean, she's great. She she comes in. She's very confident. She's very cool. She's very sarcastic. She, 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 I mean, her her banter with the brigadier is is great. In that opening scene where they both seem absurdly pleased with it, <laughs> yeah, they okay. go, "Oh, I am right! No, no, I am right! No, no, I am writer. Um But at the same time, it's a very kind of adult conversation between the two of them. And uh, I mean, it, they would never have done it, but you almost wondered there wasn't a little bit of sexual tension between the cat. Oh, they probably would write that now if they were doing mm. it, but you you wouldn't have been that. Oh, it would be just like the X Files. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just now imagining the X-Files with John Pertwee turning up and, and going to Scully don't be so ridiculous there it is yes. um ooh big conspiracy I'll sort it out five minutes later right I've defeated everyone it's fine by, by pointing this collection of spare parts at him. push the button woman
1: push the button
0: <laughs> who would have a cigarette smoking man was made out of plastic the entire time would <laughs> be brilliant
1: no um it's it's actually very very oddly
0: structured this story because
1: the Doctor isn't in the first episode. No. He basically falls out the TARDIS and then he
0: uh, is roused at the end, but mm. he's ba- barely in it. Um, but once he's up and operating from like the end of the second episode, he's pretty much the Doctor. There's no oh, he's idea.
1: definitely the Doctor, but he no, he seems he's... to be running. He seems to be in a, a parallel story almost because. There's lots of Mm. plot developments happening that he has absolutely nothing to do with. Oh yeah, no, he walks into the story. He doesn't start it, definitely, Um, but not in the same way that. Well, no, I suppose in Rose, it's Rose walking into his story, but um, but it it does feel a little bit like he's a a passive agent right up until episode four
0: Mm. when he suddenly starts getting involved and doing things. Guess they're just doing their best to set up the unit Mm. thing because because they don't want the dots dominate at this age, and because. Because the only really recognisable character is a brigadier. I mean, I'm always very interested in first Doctor stories. Um, but it's one
1: of those things, because it's early in the programme's history, they decide to sort of give us the brigadier to latch onto as, as a sort of a, an anchor character for the audience. Whereas nowadays, much more, I think, would be made of the Doctor. I mean, they'd be foregrounding mm-hmm. him in the first episode, going, look how different he is. And, and they do do that later on, but it's that sort of very... Very odd that you have sort of twenty five minutes of
0: no Doctor at all. And yeah. yes, I, I I guess so because like like I was saying, I'm always very interested in first Doctor stories and how they always approach. Do because you know there's some that, that feature familiar elements from the past, like Power of the Daleks has the Daleks and Ben and Polly. And you have something like the Eleventh Hour, which is it's a complete reboot. Complete reboot, and then you have something like Castrovalva, where they've been setting up the elements beforehand, so you're used to them, but they're very much Fifth Doctor elements. In the the rather than four, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you get time in the Rani, uh, uh, the, of which the less said, the better. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, we we're skipping ahead, but it's interesting to think maybe this is where Twin Dilemma fails on on a middle on many levels. But in the sense that it starts us with a companion that we barely know and a Doctor that's so completely erratic. Where there's mm. get, yeah, getting yeah, hold. Let's not talk stop about reviewing Twitter. the wrong story. So, yes, yeah, so, the so habit time. I have. The so habit <laughs> I have. So, the look of the thing, it's in it, colour. It's in colour, and it's all on film, and it kind of teases you at what Doctor Who could have looked like if the BBC had, like, Which is like here's a, an extra couple of grand on the budget. Keep like it a on 70s sci fi movie
1: or a 60s sci fi movie, feel it feels like. Does, you
0: know, it does look like the big screen version of Doctor Who that the BBC might have made. In
1: Yeah, like like the On the Buses movie or something. <laughs> yes, <exactly. Especially laughs> that in, sort of budget, yes, the Dad's that, Army that, movie. That, that, that's our
0: review of it. Speared from Space is the On the Buses movie of Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, that's. <laughs>
1: Yes, well. Um, but it's it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, people at the time, probably most of them, would have been watching it in black and right, white anyway. Yeah. And we probably should dial down the colour at times. No, off, no. Just to see what it would have looked like for I authenticity.
0: I don't, I don't care about authenticity. I'm <laughs> watching it <laughs> on a goddamn DVD. You know, I, sh- I should have got my old VHS copy and watched that. That would have been more accurate. Mm. Uh, but I like the fact
1: that it's sort of defiantly unglamorous as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very... Lots of browns, isn't there? <laughs> lots it's of a very... Large chunks of the action take place in a
0: cottage hospital. Very, which is... very pastel, very pastel. <laughs> Uh, yes, the, yes. With the really the doctor who, who says actually quite random things when you go down to it. Like he's more unconscious than anyone I've ever seen. Are you sure he's not dead? Because that's pretty unconscious. Are you actually a doctor or, or just a janitor wearing a white coat? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah, I, I'd say this coma was self-induced. How do you know? I'm just bullshitting. I don't know. There's no reason I'd be it's, able to guess that. It's
1: quite funny that you know an alien lands on Earth, an alien with a, a binary cardio- cardiovascular system and alien blood, and they just leave him in the hands of this cottage hospital doctor. It's, he's not exactly children people of had, Earth, is it? People <laughs>
0: had real respect for the NHS back in those days. Real respect. We have a nude Pertwee. New uh, well, with it, a tattoo, with a tattoo, which is obviously a Time Lord criminal brand. No, um, it's not. It's yes, it's it the second Doctor's drunken escapades <laughs> in Shanghai. It's... Oh, Jamie, what have I done?
1: Oh, oh dear. <laughs> well Hartnell, I I, I I could see the first Doctor doing that. I mean, in his sort of Game. army sergeant persona, of William Hartnell, you know. <laughs> going out on the lash with Ben, you know, waking waking up in a...
0: Mm. <laughs> What's this? Mm. Volume? a tattoo? Mm. Or how do you mispronounce it or something? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, people complain about Moffitt and 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 RTD bringing sex in, but obviously with Pertwee's, but these he it was the attempt. It's like, just raw Holmes. sexual. Charisma. It is. It's raw sexual crime, and Robert Holmes was obviously just attempting to appeal to girls. God, that's sickening. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Robert Holmes. Okay. This is his third story I think Crotons and Pirates in Space and it's arguably this is where he really starts to Beat come into Robert his own Holmes. yeah Recognize. it still doesn't entirely feel like a Robert Holmes script maybe because it's slightly lacking any double acts as we associate well, or funny double acts Poacher act. and his wife I suppose uh, yeah. oh yeah the Poacher and the wife who was speaking in, 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 the, um, in the official BBC working class accent <laughs> which is West Country in London or wherever they are yes yeah, so wherever they may be Yes, yeah, it's definitely Holmes being Holmes, but there, there, there isn't that Holmesian double act as such, because there are double acts, but none of them are particularly funny, like mm. I associate even, even darkly comically funny. I suppose the places you come are something like um, The Doctor and Liz, actually, in, in a way. Yeah, they in a way. They banter. In a way, but again, like you said, because The Doctor's so, not sidelined, but part of an ensemble, mm. that's it, in some ways it feels like, more than any, any of the other stories in Series 7 as well, this feels like an ensemble. Well, it feels like the unit show into which the Doctor stumbles. Yeah, Yeah, it's like the the unit spin-off, almost, into which he appears, which is interesting because actually, in a weird way, that connects this in my head to, I'm going to a different story now, Revelation of the Daleks, because I've always argued Revelation of the Daleks is actually quite a good Dot 2 spin-off into which the Doctor wanders in, and maybe you could always make the argument that Spirit from Space is like a Dot 2 spin-off, which the Doctor suddenly goes, hi guys, guest star. The... Thank, thank goodness he didn't wander into Torchwood. <laughs> can you imagine John <laughs> Pertwee in Torchwood? I say, my dear chap, you seem to have your your hand on my bottom. What's this all about? The, the tentacle monster scene would be. Yes, um. Japanese. We right? do see our proper hentai. I mean, um. Oh god, hentai, hentai, hentai. I can't get that word out of my head. Um. Legend we, of the Overfiend type scene with John Pertwee. I don't know what that is, but I don't think I want to know. I think I can take a guess. <laughs>
1: We do get. It's not helped by his facial expressions. It really <laughs> that, is. That's what
0: I was going to say. I just remembered. Proper Pertwee gurning. Our first proper Pertwee and I love a good Pertwee gurning. Is when he's attacked by the um, tentacles and, and and they do this uh, weird overdubbing of him going and these sort of odd zooms and yeah, and it's like
1: actually while we're on the subject of the camera work, I really like all the handheld camera work in the Cottage Hospital. That's that's really nice stylistically. Like. There's a great shot There's a sort of press scrum with the Brigadier trying to escape from the press scrum in the, in the cottage hospital. I, I also love the bit when one of the reporters goes, in the, in the hospital that is full of reporters, I think there's a story here. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, Really? Really? It's just like you hang out in hospitals because you like the little shop. You know? it's just like, uh... The doctor hangs out in hospitals to steal people's clothes. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to say, I think this is the, possibly the most, one of the most homaged of the original series no, because no,
1: no, no. once there's an homage, Twice is a fetish. The okay, doctor so likes hanging around in
0: hospitals, stealing people. So obviously pirates. he steals clothes in this, and he does it in the TV movie, and then the Eleventh Hour. But to be fair, he doesn't steal anyone's cars. It's not like he drives up to Amy in a Porsche that he got out and he go, "Hey, <laughs> come and see Time's Space. I've got this Porsche. It's great. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd watch that." But um, it's interesting that this is
1: one of the the most referenced Doctor Who serials.
0: Because even the opening shot, which is uh, a panel from outer space to Earth, is used, been used actually several times in the new series, to the point where it's referencing the new series now when mm. they do that, instead of this. But originally, Rose. it was a direct reference from Rose to this. Rose obviously finally gave us the autons actually smashing the window panes. There is a great scene in this. I mean, again, that's one of those clips that get used whenever people talk used talk Doctor Well, you because it's shot the on film,
1: it looks really good. good. And it is... And the Autons brilliant. are genuinely terrifying with their 70s wigs and their
0: blank, dead-eyed stares. And what I like about the Autons is they can put on a decent pace as well. They, mm. You know, they see them running... Which is always really nice to see a Doctor Who monster that can bloody move if it needs There's to. There's also
1: casual Auton. <laughs> well, the, the one that just, was just, just... sort of leaning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when they've got that line of them in the factory, yeah. was just leaning casually <laughs> against it. And sad I, Auton. It's, my
1: favourite scene is is Channing glaring at one of the Autons who hangs his head in that. shame.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> no more jelly for you. <laughs> no more, no more <laughs> plastic jelly for you. Yeah, the the... To be fair, the nestine's ultimate form, which they're creating in the tank, it doesn't help that the glass uh, window in the tank seems to show you what can only be described as an alien bum hole, which <laughs> is the throb and then bursts into flame at the end. Um, and they're going, it's the ultimate form of life to survive on this planet. Well, maybe a lot, of, a lot of tentacles and a bum hole. Well,
1: then, actually, thinking about it, you know, maybe a deep sea creature does sort of look like a bum with tentacles.
0: A deep sea creature probably needs to be created in the sea, not on dry land. Oh, as
1: it, t- 90% or however much of the Earth's surface is water. So not many- in the
0: plastic <laughs> factory, though, is it? Like, let's, let's
1: talk about the auton, or the nesting plan. The, 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 the nesting plan is to send meteor meteorites um, to crash land on Earth. They have a signal in them. Mm. That signal can be cut off by soft Earth... Or a box. Yes. It's, it's a bit like, <laughs> And their plan of conquest is reliant on finding a planet with a thriving plastics industry. I, I
0: suppose it would have been too much if when, if Channing, who... I don't think we've said who Channing is. If you don't know, Channing is the uh, basically the alien human Auton that's like the... Auton ambassador, Ch- yes, I suppose. Yeah. And he goes, we've been we've been colonising planets for thousands of years. It should technically be, but only those with, with hard Earth, no boxes, and a great plastic industry. Yeah. Uh, I guess it, it's that when It's one of those when you when you analyse it. I mean,
1: the story was never meant to be seen on DVD yeah, by two sarcastic podcasters.
0: I'm not sarcastic, <laughs> I love this, I hate sarcasm. <laughs> That's not true. Um, I hate irony, ironically enough. <laughs> I mean, I'll say to you, I, I still think there's something slightly H.P. Lovecraft-esque about an disembodied intelligence coming to Earth and creating its own body. Which the New Adventures then went and codified into canonical fact, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's true, isn't it? Because the, the new adventures, as we were saying, the Nestie and the Great Intelligence, possibly Fenric, were all basically described as various ones. HP. Yeah, the great old ones. I mean, I don't think you need to do that. Like we, you were saying earlier, there's no need to turn everything into an HP Lovecraft reference. But it's just something about like a disembodied intelligence, disembodied intelligence coming down to earth, just very slightly reminds me a little bit of Lovecraft, but without the blatant racism, because it's not Talons or wine change. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac appear very briefly. Um, I don't know what I the think song is. The plastics is. factory scene is actually one of the most terrifying scenes in Doctor Who because those dolls on the assembly line are just creepy. <laughs> I, I guess they are. I mean, you imagine that must be how they make the autumns in like big versions of that. Two Hearts. Two um, Hearts for the first time. Yep, yeah, for the first time. I thought you were going to break into a Kylie Minogue song. Then. I, I could do. <laughs> I can't think of one. Two Hearts. I, I, how does that go? Give us, a so verse. I can't remember. Well, then no verse are going to break into it. And this is Where's Andy when you need her? This <laughs> is you what I said. We can, I, maybe I can, maybe I can. I'm going to get sued one of these days.
1: No, no, it's fine. It's fair use or something. <laughs> um, what else? What else?
0: Top civil servants. Top civil this servants. This is it. Imantus in Madame Tussauds, in the Doctor Universe, they have an, ex, an ex, exhibition dedicated to top civil servants. I mean, how far does this go? I mean, because if you accept the fact that Doctor Who is a quote unquote alternative reality, which it actually was supposed to be during these early UNIT years, it was like a few years in the future. Have civil servants become famous? Do they have Trump Trump card civil servants? You know, do, do kids swap top Trumps with, with their favourite? They have under fan, secretary? fan sites.
1: Fan sites I but I, I think one of the, the the big thing that they're missing a trick with in this story is they have Madame Tussauds, they have alien duplicates, and yet there is no scene where the waxworks in Madame Tussauds go on the rampage. Because I I would
0: love to see Richard Nixon and Gandhi and, and JFK. <laughs> and JFK. Because we were spotting... yeah. Because there's a Gandhi waxwork yeah. in there and, and a JFK one, and you, Striding you down the street, gunning down passes <laughs> by. Just. just <laughs> Just so you can have Nick go, I am not a crook! So you should find people. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah, it's odd really that they didn't go for that, but I guess it's only a four. If it had been a six part, a perfectly six part, then they probably would have done.
1: Wasn't there the plan for the, the, the Colin Baker Autumn story with. The Wasn't Rani Rani Was
0: set in Shanghai? I'm sure that was going to have
1: waxworks in it, and it was going to be that the waxworks would come to life. Yeah, and the master as But well. presumably will be 80s personalities then,
0: so. <laughs> New Neuromantic. Simon Le Bon. That would have been great, because they could have made Simon Le Bon a bomb, so the people would go, look out, it's a Simon Le Bon bomb, and he's hungry like the wolf, and then he could have exploded. That makes me laugh. Some days you can't just can't get rid of a <laughs> Simon Le Bon bomb. Bon bon bon. <laughs> <laughs> um...
1: Uh, the music is rather good. Yeah, Dudley Simpson with Proper uh, Orchestra. Proper
0: orchestra before in the in series eight, I believe, when they went, went, Hey Dudley, love your work. Uh we have gotten rid of the orchestra. Have this synth and this was like wow wow wow. it's not so I actually love synth music. But no he, he uh, this is, you know, this is uh, Dudley Simpson I think just But it really adds to the cinematic feel of the whole thing. Oh definitely definitely. Like I said, you know, you've got your light jazz for Liz Shore and uh, you've got that slightly more sinister music when the autumns appear. It works very well. It's it's him doing doing it at his best. It's it's a
1: little unfortunate that the sound effect for the autumn sphere now sounds like a ringtone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just looking at my notes and we've already covered Tentacle Gun. Tentacle gurn, We could we could mention it again. <laughs> he guns with tentacles. Uh, Space bum. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to edit Andy into this podcast and have her arguing with us. It, it should be pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad watching Series 7 stuff now because Brigadier, the Doctor and Lyssa are all dead. I find that immensely depressing. Yeah, there's that sort
1: of terribly sad... Closing scene where the three of them are uh, yeah, uh, interacting and, uh, and say he's saying I want a car and uh, yeah it's, it's a, and it's a lovely the, scene where he's the like, start of a beautiful friendship and all that sort yeah. of
0: thing uh, and it's, it's great that final scene because we'll predict the way he goes can I have a car I'm like can we go get it now and he's like no <laughs> 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 cars are cool uh, yes I like cars <laughs> cars are cool uh, but yeah it's something it's a slight tinge of sadness to watching these now because there's no other I can't think of another series that two where the, the main cast members are dead you know I was thinking back because obviously William Hartnell Patrick Troughton but out of all the 60s companions Jacqueline uh, Pierce and Michael Craze but every other TARDIS team has at least one or two surviving members but this one's just mm. it's not there and that's that, that's really very sad I mean all we have left from series 7 now is Benton and he doesn't even turn up into the ambassadors of death mm. it's rubbish not the ambassador's death, that's quite good, but it's rubbish that he doesn't turn up and do it then. But it, it really does feel like a fresh start for Doctor Who. Oh, completely. I mean, it feels almost, it almost feels like a different programme. I mean, if you, if you didn't have the TARDIS and the Brigadier there... And the TARDIS is barely in it. Yeah, the TARDIS is it was a background interior, prop. It's... yeah. I mean, because there have been rumours, and I think they've been squashed, that this was going to be a Quatermass show, and then... That's always been a bit of rumour, but I think people, age people have said, no, That's that's really not true. Because obviously there was a bit of quantum element within series to seven. I agree, yeah. I think we both think of the same Lance Parkin essay <laughs> on it, actually. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's I can't imagine the series now doing such a radical shift because even something like Eleventh Hour and, and that whole uh, you know the Moffat era compared to the RTD era, people go, my god, it's so different. But you look at this, and you think it's not as big of a leap as you I think, think, think it the, is. The problem is that there has now
1: been so much Doctor Who. Mm. That it's almost impossible for you to do something completely different that's not
0: like that's something, something that yeah, Doctor yeah. Who has done. Oh, absolutely. Even if
1: even if the next season was a Panto, <laughs> you
0: could, you <laughs> could say I it's a number. I I kind of love that um, musical series seven. No, that's actually a point. The next uh, series of, of of current Who will be series seven, and we've just watched series at guard. Yeah, it, I feel old. The then. wheel turns, <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of that thing from Kinder. Christopher Eccleston is a dim and distant memory yeah, to children watching uh, Doctor Who now. This is this is, I, yeah, oh yeah. I guess Matt Smith's the third Doctor of the new series. Pertwee's the third. Oh, strange. Yeah, they go there are Doctor Who fans who who were born after Eccleston left the programme. Let that sink <laughs> in. Let that bloody sink in. Oh, they're just animals. <laughs> there are there are no words. And so now, conscious of our own mortality, <laughs> tick <laughs> tock, tick <laughs> tock goes the clock. Um, even for the doctor, I'm doing a lot of references to other stories today. I think stop it. I think it's because Andy isn't here to rein you in. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be actually. It's um, yeah, I mean it's a great story. I would re- I would. It sometimes gets recommended as one you'd show to people from who watch the new series to get them into classic. I'm not sure I'd entirely I go with that. I think the... Yeah, the the fact that it opens with... The same shot doesn't... Yeah, yeah,
1: well I was going to say the fact that it opens with some people talking about meteorites and then a comedy poacher. Um, yes, yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, it, it's not exactly an action-packed opening, the best one. No, no. Oh, the Monty Python thing.
0: Oh, yes, at one point the... Oh, one character, he, he's hysterical and he runs towards the camera. <laughs> I couldn't help it; I just went, "It's It is a tiny bit Monty Python, but as I always argue, uh, Doctor Who has a lot more in common with Monty Python than would most other programs. There is, I,
1: I think, there's something strangely Pythonesque about the Auton rampage. Actually, there is. I think it's the fact that
0: they're wearing very seventies clothing and it's shot on film in outdoors. Yeah, so, yeah, it. it, it it's one of these things if you push it in in a certain direction it could have become a Monty Python sketch mm. which is true of Doctor Who's entire history really and if you push Monty Pi- bits of Monty Python one way they become a Doctor Who story I mean, the the, the most obvious um, Monty Python reference is actually in the Mutants, where a, a guy with a beard does run straight towards <laughs> the camera, and you just hear it in your head. Um, I hate the Mutants; that's an awful story. Let's not talk about the Mutants. Why are we talking about the Mutants? Do you? Know, Damn let's,
1: it! Let's talk about units and how completely useless they are. It. I was guarding the front of the tents. <laughs> <sir. laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear
0: the ripping, um, the, the ripping canvas from the back, or gunshot. The, on the gunshot, the <laughs> gunshot. Or 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 anyone running through the woods. Um, yeah, I mean to be fair, but I, I, by unit standards, they're quite useful. They're still better than the other later. I, I
1: like the fact that um, as the final battle approaches, there's actually an explanation for why there's only about ten unit soldiers, <laughs> which is they can't communicate and he's only got his staff yep. to fight. So yeah. whereas in, in later stories, it's literally just no, there are only ten unit soldiers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and two of those are Benton and Gates. <laughs> yeah but I mean and, and we do see the first no not the first example but the first example would have been the invasion but we do get to see them uh, you know do the classic unit thing of I'm firing at you it's having no effect I'm just going to keep firing <laughs> why well, not just go around
1: the back and get a, a truck or something <laughs> and drive into them that would work I don't know oh, apparently unit soldiers don't have grenades
0: they do later on I think I'm sure you see them throw grenades to no uh, effect to no effect but yeah <laughs> God, it's the most effective unit battle in Battlefield where they actually kill people. I think it might be. Oh, that's never occurred to no, me. No, they actually do Stratagem, or uh, okay, yeah, Poison Sky, actually. But that's Latter-day. That's Latter-day. That's, that's, a... that's, <laughs> a... that <laughs> that's, that's them doing what they always wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, this is the early days of, 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 of unit because no one does a double flip when they're killed, which... Uh...
1: No, although the guy who gets shot in the back by the autumn when he's
0: running does quite an impressive forward roll this is... before he comes to a halt. <laughs> Do you think they put that in the letters that that they sent home to the the mothers? (laughs) Well, your son may die, but he did a beautiful forward flip as he went. (laughs) Very sorry, the brigadier.
1: Oh, that's dark revisionist 90s Doctor Who, where you write stories about the brigadier, writing letters, telegrams to grieving widows.
0: Yes, (laughs) he might have to do that, but do you really want to think about it? Yes. There's an interesting moment, actually, where um, the, the poacher's wife is unconscious, and this is all she's okay and the doctor's just completely ignoring it and looking at the sphere going, This is really interesting. Which is a quite a nice little kind of moment remind you that the doctor is always sometimes a bit yes, yes, she's gonna live, it's fine. Ooh, what's this?
1: Yeah, um I mean it's interesting Pertwee's character, how fully formed do you think he is in this story?
0: I think by the end he's a lot more I think by the Silurians he's definitely the doctor. Yeah, I think he's pretty much part away from the start. I mean cuz he, he's interesting cuz he, as he gets on, as his doctor gets on even from series pretty from I think series 9 onwards he he does soften a lot. I mean it starts in series 8 when Joe comes along. Mm. You know, his character softens. Not necessarily that's a, that's a bad thing, but he's you forget in these in this first series how spiky he is he's not too spiky, actually, in Spearhead. It's more you have seen like Inferno and Silurians. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's quite sort of jolly in Spearhead. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. And I guess because they don't want to make him too arsehole too early on.
1: Well, yes, yeah, that. And and also it's a little bit of, I think, John Pertwee's comedy heritage yeah. seeping through. Um,
0: but yeah, certainly by Silurians, he's a lot, he's lot more the... set in his ways. I mean, I've always said the Doctor Who really nails his characterisation in the first episode... And it's weird because it's technically only for five minutes. Is Davison in Castrovalva, when he goes into the Zero Room? And it's bang, he's straight into Fifth Doctor. And obviously, they had the chance because that's the false story they recorded, etc. Et I can't remember if I said this in our Castro Valva podcast, so bear with me. And and he's, this is odd saying that because obviously, throughout most of the episode, he's like all weakened and ooh and weird and p- impressions. And then he walks into the Zero Room, bang, that's the, f- the Fifth Doctor, as you'll see him play pretty much until Castro uh, Valva, uh, Case of Andrazani but with most Doctors it takes a little little while and um, Matt Smith came out pretty much I think Matt Smith came Matt Smith in series 5 is really the most 11th Doctor in Moffat scripts and in Gareth Roberts everyone else he's not bad and know, he's very good but he's always slightly more 10th I think mm. all the all things no but he... no just talking about him in his first episode he's yeah oh, yeah, yeah. in, in his first episode yeah no he does pretty much nail nail it in his first I mean because Popey has such a slow start it
1: I think, I think that's possibly a, a flaw in retrospect, that he's not in it for much of the mm. first episode. He doesn't get a chance to make his mark. And by the time he does get involved in the story, the story story's already advanced without him, so it makes him feel somewhat less
0: effective. How does John Pertwee fit into Patrick Cheshire's clothes? That's what was, that's always annoyed me with the doctors yeah. When they regenerate and they, they still wear the previous clothes, it's like when Sylvester McCoy re- regen—you know—Colin Baker regenerates into Sylvester McCoy, or Sylvester McCoy regenerates into Sylvester McCoy. As it technically is, uh, and, and you know he's wearing the Six Doctor's clothing, and it kind of fits. And you're like, but Colin Baker is a far taller man than you. How <laughs> is? I think the best example of that working really well is uh,
1: um, David Tennant wearing Eccleston's leather jacket, which does look a couple of sizes too big for him.
0: But yeah. that's only in one scene really so. <laughs> that's true and stop talking about other stories that's a terrible problem <laughs> uh, yeah I mean in some ways it's really hard to find anything new to say about this story because it's always been considered a bit of a classic I can't argue with that I can see why it's it's a good introduction to the new setup. and generally I think it's a good introduction to where we start to, even if it does take a while for him to get involved and, yeah, I mean, it's very well put together. It's got lots of iconic moments in it. and yeah, It, it looks it, fantastic because it's it shot on film. Brilliant. Why, why it, couldn't they have done the rest uh, of the series like this? Can you imagine? It's, oh, I, I just imagine then they get all warm inside. Oh, it's lovely. But, yeah, top marks. Yes, uh, 10 out of 10. Well, 9 out of 10. Nine, yeah, 9 out of 10. Maybe 8. 8 out of 10. <laughs> 7.5. 7.5 out. No, 8. 8 out of 10. Uh, no, no, I don't mark things in numbers. I've always been quite <laughs> fair in this podcast because I know that... And if any I know most of our listeners are made up of podcasts and my friends. Um but I, to all you wonderful podcast people who do mark things out of numbers, I totally respect that. It just drives me round the wall. Round the round the wall? Up I'm round right tired. Round the bend <laughs> up the up the bend, round the wall. You're turning into um, you Sylvester McCoy, stop it. <laughs> ah, t- uh, t- time and tide melts the snowman. Um makes the nose go longer. It drives me around the bend because I, I think well, if I've just talked about a story for half an hour, you would be able to get my opinion on it. Why do I have to re- reduce it to a, to, a, to a mark? Anyway, yes, great story. Caroline John, very sad. Caroline John. Yes, that is her name. Yes, yes. Caroline John. Sorry. You're going you're to cut that bit out, aren't you? <laughs> no, probably not. I leave us the mistakes <laughs> in. Um, Caroline John is very sad to hear her passing away, I think, you know, because she's, you know, even though she only was in Dot Two for one year, she's did like the Probe series and so and she came back for 5 doctors. so she was always obviously quite fond of the programme and mm-hmm. the character, actually. Have you ever seen any of the Probe? Um, sure. I may have done years ago. I, I don't think I have. I'd like to. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should review one of them. We should. I think you can probably get them on DVD for slightly exorbitant prices. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I remember I said actually to Andy, we should find one of these 90s spin-offs like Downtime or shakedown or something and uh, mm. uh, I'd, I'd like to like review them but yeah great loss um, and she certainly makes an impact in her first story she does she does very much so because she feels like she does feel like an adult
1: she feels like the first companion who's really an equal yeah to the doctor yeah I mean and even when an intellectual equal and a she
0: yeah stands d- up d- to d- an she feels character. like an adult with her own life mm. you know she's not some starstruck girl or and she just, or some Highlander, or she's, she's, she's a proper, that's not a offence to any previous companions, or like very much, but, you know, she, she's a proper adult, she's got her own life, she, she's irritated at the Brigadier that she's been called down to this, you know, she's got better things she'd rather be doing, and, yeah, you know, she becomes, I think, a prototype for later companions, to some ex- certain companions to some extent. What's well, that, like Romana? and that's Yeah, that. yeah, definitely, definitely, so... She had, a good, she had a good short, but a good run of episodes, and I think that's that's pretty much done. I think so. So, anyway, folks, um, contact... De- actually, without Andy, I'm going to get the contact details completely right. No, no, right. no, Tumblr. Tumblr, nakedscarf.tumblr.com. Facebook. Um, if you just search the Naked Scarf group, I presume will be the only thing that comes up. Twitter. At Naked Scarf. Is that it? Gmail. Gmail. Uh, nakedscarf at gmail.com. And I think hopefully we'll be Andy will be better and we'll be back for Trial of a Time Lord part thirteen to fourteen. So that will be another Robert Holmes. Excellent. Um, well, and another so Pip, and, Pip and Jane, <laughs> and another Pip and Jane Baker. But hey ho. And until then, folks, take care.